One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so excited to have everybody along. And, and you know, with the music that was just popping in, it always gets me be dancing. Uh, you know, uh, for those of you that have been listening to us a long time, that is by a group uh, that I executive produced called The Party. And uh, literally 30 years ago this year is when we dropped our first album and uh, finally have gotten that digitized. And each week, new album hitting out. So the free album, uh, hit today, which we released in 1992. So it's kind of cool for uh, those of us that have been around the industry for a long time, been working with this group for a long time. Uh, each Friday, they've been dropping one of their albums uh, and that'll continue for another two to three weeks. And who knows that unreleased album might be next. Who knows? We'll see. Today, we're talking to a gentleman who is a lifelong entrepreneur who's known for his impressively natural ability to connect with, understand, and empower those who are willing to make significant changes in their personal and professional lives so they can end up being the best versions of themselves. Since graduating from the Institute of Professional Excellence and Coaching, IPEC, in 2009, as a certified professional coach, he's changed the lives of hundreds of clients from all walks of life. More recently, he's been working at his alma mater as both an admissions coach, where he closed almost $22 million in sales within eight years, and their first ever internal coach, where he coached staff from entry level to C-suite and everything from daily professional growth to how they want to show up energetically in other more personal areas of their life. In 2019, he published his first book titled Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful, which is a first aid kit for the emotional bumps, scrapes, and bruises of life. And our subject for today, let's bring him on. Ryan Stanley, how you doing, boss? Rick, I'm doing amazing. Been looking forward to this conversation all week. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me, man. So we'll talk about the book, but also you just uh, launched recently this the sales and coaching um, kind of opportunity by co-founding Teach Me to Sell, yeah, uh, which is an online sale. And I think that's the biggest thing for solopreneurs is that hey, wait a minute, I got a prospect, I got to sell. I, you don't just you know, you don't throw a web page up and all of a sudden people just come running your way. So talk yeah. a little bit about um, how you started that and and what are what are some of the advice uh, or, or tips that you can provide some of those solo entrepreneurs. Yeah, happily, man. And thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So teach me to sell. I mean, being a coach for over 10 years, working closely with a coach training organization, I've been basically surrounding myself with coaches and um, new coaches uh, for over a decade. And one thing that I've seen a lot is people come in and they've maybe had a positive experience with a coach or had a life-changing experience, or they want to be the person they wish they had in their life when they were younger. All these reasons, great reasons that people become coaches or consultants or fitness trainers, like that they have a change in life that they want to serve others. And so they spend all this money and they get a certification and they become a better version of themselves. Uh, now suddenly someone asks them how much they charge and they freak out a little bit, right? They, they feel uncomfortable. They get nervous. They suddenly feel like they're going to be slimy or salesy. They don't want to do that. So they offer their, their services for half price or for free, or all of a sudden they're afraid of making someone uncomfortable. And so recognizing this, actually, while I was uh, working at IPEC as the admissions coach, I worked with a guy named Kirk Van Linden, who was uh, my boss for a little bit, for about a year. And Kirk has had a decade worth of sales training experience. He worked in the, the financial industry and, so, and trained people to sell hundreds of millions of dollars worth of uh, sales. And so we just saw this together. We worked well together. I, being the internal coach as well, I'm kind of, so at Teach Me to Sell, I'm, I'm the partner, but I'm also the headmaster of mindset. And Kirk is the, really, he's the principal of sales. And so what we've done is we take, we work with people who want to serve others. We really, our focused market are so, service-oriented solopreneurs, what we call SOSs. And we work with them on their mindset, on it, like very, you know, my, my role is to really help them focus on their mindset. His role is to really get them the A to Z, the left brain, the button down, the sales, very specific sales skills and tools and techniques for them to be a great salesperson as well, even if that's something they never thought they would have to be. Um, so it's really the combination of both that makes us unique. So I think there's two things or two traps that I see most entrepreneurs fall into. Uh, one being that all revenue is good revenue. I think that, you know, you, you learn that over time when you yeah. have some of those clients that, that devalue you and, and take up in your, all your time. time. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the, the second one I really see them is that, is that price gap. You know, uh, I, 
I charge a pretty high fee. And when somebody says, wow, you know, that that's a lot per hour. I said, yeah, but I've got 25 years of experience. Right. And you're paying for all of the learning and certifications and, and the things that I've seen, you're not paying for that hour. Yeah. You're paying for the 25 years that comes with that hour. How do you coach your team? Totally. You're actually, you're paying not necessarily even for, well, yes. And you're paying for the outcome. You're not paying for that hour. You're paying for who you're going to be at the end of that hour, at the end of that month, at the end of that three month engagement, whatever it is that, that you end up working with your, your client with. Um, so, yeah, so absolutely. I, I think it's a huge thing. And I think the more value you put on yourself, by the way, if you really look at the time and effort that you've put into becoming the certified, certified coach that you are, um, the more people are going to see the value in that as well. And typically what I've also seen, and this is kind of to answer your question on how we coach people around it, is um, when your clients have more skin in the game and they're spending more money on your time and time with you, not only are they going to take you more seriously, but they're going to take your time together more seriously. And they're going to show up more on purpose. And they're going to do more of the work in between when they show up for your next call because they have such an investment in it. And so in a sense, even by having a higher, a higher financial value in your time and, and services, you are in automatically, even energetically creating uh, and increasing the value of what you have to offer. Uh, and it actually it benefits the clients. You said the key word there, value. And it, 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 if you're in information technology or IT, there's, there's been this huge disruption in a term called agile and agile thinking. Yeah. And it's, you know, been around forever. It's just, to me, it's rebranded of everything's plan, do, check, act, Every, everything, right. whether you're PMI, agile, uh, TQM, ITIL, any of those. Um, but even executives, I think, are a hard time really starting to equate things in value versus cost, right? Yeah. So it's, it's really getting after that value statement of what is the outcome. So I love, I love that pitch. Um, why did you write uh, Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful? Uh, great question. So I'm a little bit of an ADD entrepreneur. So I love creating businesses. I see entrepreneurialism as, a, as an art form, to be honest with you. Uh, a long time, when I first started coaching, I was coaching, I was coaching musicians and people in the music industry. And what I loved most about that, I had, had a previous background in artist management. So I managed a bunch of bands for a while before I got into coaching. Um, and what I loved most about it was kind of empowering them, but also recognizing that um, musicians have, musicians are entrepreneurs as well. People just look at them as artists, as creatives, but they don't realize that they are also creating a product to sell to the masses. And so um, I, I bring this back just to say that as an entrepreneur, I also what I love about being an entrepreneur is that it is an art form. You are starting with nothing. You are starting with an idea. You are putting in the time and the effort. You are creating something to put out there to the masses to be judged and to ideally be paid for, similar to a musician or an artist of some sort. And so I have a couple of different businesses. Um, and one of the, so I decided a book was a product that I would like to create in some capacity. And after being a coach, being an internal coach, being a life coach for musicians and for others for over a decade, and actually even just clients, but also my friends, my family, myself, there was just the common themes of patience, like little things that we feel like we don't have enough of, presence, joy. These are things that we, a lot of people feel like are coming from outside of us. And we're constantly thinking that life is unfair or happening to us. And I felt the theme of, of helping people understand that it, all those things can come from within at any given moment uh, was something that was necessary. And at the same time, the book, if you look into it, it's not very long. You could read it in maybe 35 minutes. It's about 69, 72 pages long or something like that. And so I am not a reader. Like there are books out there that are going to change your life. I will just not finish reading most of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted something that if I'm having a tough day, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling anxious in the moment. Uh, I wanted something that I could pick up and read in 30 minutes and, and have some tangible takeaways, some walkaways, some steps, some things that can help me decide who I want to be in the moment. So I actually created this book to, in, to be two things. One, that you could read straight, uh, straight through it if you wanted to. But two, whether you read through it or not, you could open it at any given point. Let's just say you're sitting in traffic and you're stressed because you're late for an important engagement. You pick up a, uh, you pick up a book or you could pick this book up just to glance, open any page, you'll find something on that page that will serve you as a form of emotional uh, first aid. And so I just wanted something that people could carry around with them that could serve them. Uh, and it's amazing because like you, you mentioned at the front, of a um, episode here that I released it last July, but now since COVID has come up this year, it's amazing how it's actually taken off so well. And so many people are using it and giving it as gifts. And because it's not something that necessarily that everybody's going to read straight through, but it is something that everybody can use it literally at any given moment. So you said uh, artist management there. So, so you know what a rip is then that's, that's probably one of my favorite things in, in 
to, to be associated with it, to, to lock yourself into a studio for a couple of months yeah. and to come out with something that's been great. And I, I'm not totally. a creative in that sense, right? I'm, I'm more of the producer. So I just like to hang around, but the energy that comes from that is, is probably one of the coolest feelings. Yeah. Creative uh, energy and just part. watching it being built and, and the bounce ball, but like, absolutely. I, I love it. Even just to spend time with creative people in that space and watch them, um, you know, take the art from within and put it out so that it can be heard and felt. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have to get into more of those conversations in a little bit for sure. Um, so what is, we've got about two minutes here until break. Yeah. What's one of the, the kind of go-to phrases or one of the things you're most proud of in, in the book, be patient. Um, you know, I think the, the, the prologue. So again, I said, it's really short. I know we've got two minutes here, but I would say um, the prologue talks about the fact that we're all creators in any given moment. We're always creating something. Right now, you and I are creating two men, you know, having an awesome radio show. When you wake up in the morning, if you put on blue socks, blue pants, blue shirt, and a blue hat, you're literally creating a man dressed in blue. We create conversation, we create laughter, but we also create stress and we create overwhelm and we create uh, anxiety and we create frustration. And it's not to say that none of those are understandable or make sense for, for us to feel that way. But at the same time, it is important for people to recognize that they are coming from within. They are based on us, our thoughts, right? Our thoughts create our emotions. Um, and then we feel these ways. And so to understand that we're always creating something gives us the power to, to be curious as to what we could create instead. And so when you start to look at things like, okay, what if I'm creating an impatient person right now, what would it feel like to create a person who is patient? How would a patient person behave in this moment if I want to? And even by doing that, you are actually becoming curious as to what curiosity, um, what patience feels like. You're then actually in some level creating patience because you're no longer looking at the stress or anxiety that, that uh, you were feeling to begin with. And so, so many people think this is um, kind of, you know, hooey or whatever, but truly your thoughts become things. And Always. Th there's the basis of uh, thinking grow rich. It's the basis totally. of uh, probably 80 of the best books I've ever read. Yeah. All have that common theme as what we think we can feel and that disease and everything else is also created by us Absolutely. by negative thoughts that lead to, to poor habits. So we're going to get into that a little bit more. We're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back with Ryan Stanley. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon talking with Ryan Stanley. So Ryan, we talked about your book, Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful. 
Um, but really, you know, what led you to become a coach in the first place? What was that aha moment that said, this may be something I want to do? Yeah, love it. Uh, thanks for asking. So I was, really, I remember very clearly, it was, it was uh, October of 2008. So I guess what's that, literally 12 years ago this month. Uh, so I was working, like I said, in artist management. I, I, I love working with creative people. I love what I loved most about being an artist manager was the inspiring, was the empowering, was having conversations that, especially with younger artists, that nobody had ever had with them before, and helping them recognize that they could set large goals and what it was actually going to take to have those goals accomplished and to be there celebrating when we did, you know, great things. I loved being around the music scene. So there was many things I loved about it. But at the same time, there was a lot of stuff I didn't love about it. I didn't necessarily like dealing with shady club owners. Oh, it's and a brutal business. Right? It is yeah. a brutal business. And so that certainly didn't fit my style of human being, right? So just to have types of conversations where I didn't feel like anybody was looking for the win-win, like that became overwhelming after a while. Uh, and also working with younger people, if I was working with a band and half the members didn't want to show up for practice on time or didn't feel like it was uh, as important to get as many gigs as I was trying to let them know that it was important to get, it became more, it felt more like babysitting than it was actually about doing something as a team and creating together. Um, occasionally there were some bands that I didn't, you know, they were great people, they had a decent following, but I didn't love their music. And as a huge fan of music, like to be out till three o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday in New York City, listening to the same thing over and over again, and then having to sell it, but I didn't actually love it just felt unauthentic to me, right? It wasn't sure. who I wanted to be. Especially at that point in my life, I was just starting a family. And again, the late nights in the city was, wasn't ideal. So October of 2008, like three times in the same month, the, the term coach came up, like life coach, business coach, health coach, something like that. And I was like, well, that's me. Like, that's what I'm doing already. That, that's what I want to do. So um, enrolled in IPEC in February of 2009. And I, at first, I, so I shifted gears out of management into coaching, but I, I coached musicians as well. So I was able to, again, do what I love I was basically able to do more of what I loved with the musicians and less of what I didn't love uh, and learn a lot about myself along the way. So then I started shifting. Uh, but as I, when I went to the school IPEC, I actually was asked by the management before or leadership before I even graduated to come work for them. We just had some synergies. I thought it was a good feel. And so I came in and I started working, helping them in marketing because back then I know it feels weird to say, but not everybody had a Facebook page back then. Right. Not everybody was into social media, but coming from the musician area, my space was created to, um, you know, originally so that bands could connect with their audiences. Like that's where it started. So I had been playing that space for a long time. So I helped them start off that a little bit. And I eventually moved into admissions and into the internal coach. Um, and then with that, as being the internal coach, once I realized that I was really able to coach the CEO, I was able to coach people from all walks of life. I was able to kind of spread out my wings and start working with doctors and working with authors and working with people in, in marketing um, to really just work with people who wanted to be a better versions of themselves. And so, um, yeah, so for the second half of my coaching career, the past five or six years, I really spread my wings and then started with the book. And, and obviously, like I said, I also have a T-shirt company and uh, I, I have teaching to sell. So enough to keep me busy. Absolutely. Yeah. Integrity seems to be a huge, I don't know if it's a big issue. It's just a lack of awareness of integrity in the music business. I, I, I remember I was bringing back the party, the, the group I was talking about at the beginning. Um, and yeah. uh, we rent out a studio in Cleveland for a couple of months. We're doing a rip. And the guy that we rented the studio out is, is literally sitting there lying to them saying that he can do this, he can do that. And then they started looking at me and I was like, you've known me for 30 years. They, right. and, and I remember clearly he was like, well, I can get you to open for Backstreet. And Backstreet Boys, the, that whole tour was run by a guy I went to high school with. You know? right. So I reached out to him and I was like, have you ever heard of this guy, this band? And he's like, no, like right there in the conversation, but they just moved on. It was, it's just a crazy industry yeah. uh, uh, sewn on distrust and a lot of big lies. Right? I had a similar situation. I literally had a guy walk in like during my meeting, he was there to do some marketing or something else. This was with a band I was working with. And he's like, well, I'm not looking to take you or, or I forget what he said, but it was like, literally, I'm, he was basically telling us or telling them and telling me what he was going to do while saying that he wasn't going to do it. He's basically like, I'm not looking to steal you. I'm not looking to do this. And then literally I walk out of the room and like, listen, he's like, listen, now I could do this. It was, it was interesting to see just how people don't yeah. really care so much. Yeah. And, 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 and not only that, but they don't deliver on, on top of that. Right? Exactly. So you figure after X amount of years of, of delivering for, for a group, you know, the, the, the shiny nickel doesn't become so shiny, but, um, but how did that prepare you though? Because business can be just as cutthroat. I don't think it's as bad when I'm dealing with coaches and entrepreneurs, that kind of stuff is certainly not as bad as, I, I don't think anything's as bad as music. I'll be honest with you, but uh, may, maybe television, but uh, yeah. 
but uh, how did that prepare you for some of the tougher or, or more difficult conversations you were going to have um, as now a coach and, and an entrepreneur? I think just in general, as I think not even just the music industry, I think being an entrepreneur from an early age, right? I mean, really, even at 19 years old, I was in like a multi-level marketing thing, right? That was kind of like my first expose into any type of my own business, quote unquote, you know? And like you said, Napoleon Hill, like starting to, to understand what your thoughts are, what the value of your thoughts are, and how they do create the life that you want to live and how you can manifest whatever you want with enough intention, purpose, but follow through, taking action, all the different things that uh, any, in my opinion, good entrepreneur will, will be doing on a regular basis. And so I think that background going into the music, I think that's what helped me to last as long as I did in the music industry. Um, and by the way, there's some amazing people in the music of course, industry. Of well, course, of right? course. Let's not lump them all in. But, right, that's a broad, broad brush. But it's like 65% will stab and, you in the back in, in a heartbeat. And it depends on where you go, right? Also. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, so that part I knew, and again, even just knowing that I loved that aspect of the, the connection with my, my clients, my artists, was the fact that I loved empowering them and I loved asking them questions that they wouldn't have thought to ask themselves. So doing that already, I didn't know what a lot of what I was doing was coaching already. So it prepared me just to kind of give me a true understanding of what I loved about myself, what my actual strengths were. And when I transitioned into coaching, um, it was it was easy for me. It's funny because I didn't know the best part about it for me was I didn't think I was going to need too much. Um, I didn't think I need too much personal development. It's almost embarrassing to say at this point. But when I enrolled, you know, in the training program, I was like, oh, I got this figured out. I basically just need the certification. Uh, but, you know, going through the training as you're learning to help others recognize fears and blocks and limiting beliefs and things that are keeping them small, you start recognizing the same things in yourself. And when you're trained to coach people and ask them questions that are open-ended and really give them time to think deeper thoughts and kind of get to the core of what their challenges are, you start to ask the same questions of yourself. And when you start to genuinely do that with integrity, as you mentioned, towards yourself, not only for your, your coaching clients, but for yourself as a human being, as a father, as a parent, you know, as a, as a spouse, as a, as a, all the friend, whatever. Um, I, I think that's really what, what was my biggest takeaway was. And then, so starting that off, knowing that I had a piece of it, but then going into the training also was, was a cool transition. Yeah. Coaching kind of punched me in the face. Um, essentially I was always a fixer, a doer, right? So you throw a bunch of problems my way, we can go fix it and figure it out. That, that was my sweet spot, project management, you know, that area. And so I was doing something similar where I had to get a coaching certification along with something else that I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, look, I, whatever, I'll go get the, I'll go get the piece of paper. Right. And Christian Simpson was the, the guy leading the session. And he, he made us do this exercise uh, of juggling. And it was really brilliant. But he was like, you know, how many people can juggle or whatever? And he put us in pairs and he had us coach each other on juggling. And um, then taught us his way of, of coaching, right? Through, through asking questions. And I realized how much of a directive leader I had been, right? Yeah. And, and he hit me with the quote that if you give somebody the answer, you rob them of a lifetime of learning. Totally. And my whole life was giving people the answer. Yep. And it just, it, it, I mean, it, it brought me to my knees. I mean, I, yeah. I remember just crying in a hotel room, just like the realization uh, of that, of what else I could become yeah. uh, if, if I learned that. So, I mean, but, and but clearly how do you, would, by the way, yeah, and, and, but how do you deal with that? You, you know, it seems like almost diamond dozen. Now we can throw a rock outside and hit a coach. Um, but, but there's a lot of still negativity or even your personal feeling going into that was, I don't need this. I, I, I'm here for other people, but me, I don't need it. What yeah. do you say to people that, that kind of give you that as, as a rebuff when you're, when you're doing sales? Yeah, I think, you know, they, one thing I also always recognize that everybody is exactly who they should be for every single second of life they've lived up until that moment. Yeah. And everybody is in their, on their own path and going to have their own ahas when they have their own ahas. And when, so I guess I don't really tell anybody, I just allow them to be right. And, and, hopefully hear something that will serve them in the moment. And because I know that I've been as a human being who's on my own growth path, um, I've recognized like stuff I might've heard seven years ago or 12 years ago, I'm still constantly leveling up, right? So I mean, 10 years ago, seven years ago, I heard something, I was like, oh yeah, I get that. I totally get that. And then, you know, as my journey progresses and I become more self-aware and I start to understand the value of now and love and empathy and understanding, like all of a sudden I'll have a new understanding of something that I thought that I understood 10 years ago, seven years ago. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, like, now I get that. So, you know, for anybody who comes in, especially 
first of all, you have to be coachable to want to work with a coach, right? You have to have sure. some understanding that there is a process involved. You have to trust the process and you have to want to have something out of it. If somebody comes to me and that they're not like willing to learn, they're not willing to change, they're not willing to do anything, then I'm going to tell them, I'm going to pick that up pretty quickly that, that it's not the right relationship for them. Um, the other piece to that though is I think when people ask me like what makes a great coach, like what do you think are the best coaches out there? Obviously, there's always going to be good listener. There's going to be the ability to be present. I mean, these things are important. But I think really when it comes down to it, the best coaches out there are the ones who can truly hold the client's agenda always, right? So a lot of the time as human beings, we want to almost be nosy. We want to almost push our agenda because we had an experience that was similar to theirs in the past. We want to jump, especially coaches are often fixers, right? We want to jump yeah. in and we want to help everybody. We want to save everybody. And to your point, we want to jump in and direct them and tell them what to do because it works for us, you know, whenever it did. But by doing that, to your point, you're robbing them, right? Of their yeah. own ability to kind of figure it out. Um, but when you're really holding their agenda and you are clear. So first of all, the first thing I always do is make sure that they are clear on their agenda, right? So if you can't describe it to me, then you're, you're not clear on your own agenda. And then once, I, once we get clear on that, then I know what their agenda is and I'm constantly holding it up high, no matter what my thoughts are on it. And so that in itself keeps me from wanting to jump in and save. Occasionally I'll be like, would it all right, be okay if I made a, a suggestion, right? So I might come in and, and offer a suggestion based on everything we just said. But really often one of the most powerful sessions I ever had was um, as an early person, I mean, as an early coach was um, my client said that she'd gotten in a huge fight with her, her mother, right? And went, went to this whole thing and, and how she's feeling it. And I never once asked what the fight was about because that's not what the challenge was, sure. right? So that's a, that's a quick basic example that I think anybody can understand. So my agenda might've been as a friend, like, well, what was it about? Like what happened, right? Or as just a, an, a family member might ask the same thing, but a coach is coming in and recognizing the agenda was for my client to be happy and to understand that she was in the, you know, was an okay human being or whatever it was at, at the time. So I think holding a client's agenda is really a pretty powerful place to be. Well, and I, and I loved how you said coaches need to be coachable. What I, when anybody asks me, you know, how do you even interview a coach? I say, one of the first questions you ask is who's coaching them. Yeah. Cause if they don't have a coach, then they don't believe in the process. That, right. That's the person that says I'm good, but I can help you. Right. Like if they're not making that investment into, into a coach and now I have, it was funny five, six years ago, maybe a little bit longer now I'm starting to get older and stuff starting to run together, but maybe eight years ago, didn't have a single coach. Now I've got like five different coaches. Yeah. Right. It, that I call in different, in different aspects. And, and a mastermind, right? It's like yeah, you, yeah, throw, you throw a mastermind yeah. in there. And, or the running masterminds, which are yep. more for me than anything else. Right. It, the, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But that's, the, that's the point. So for those of you that, that say, I'm not sure I need a coach or how do I find a great coach? Uh, that's, that's a great question to ask is who's coaching them? Because if they're not following that, that process, then most likely they don't truly believe in the process. And we're going to get more tips and tricks like this from Ryan, but uh, hang out on the other side of this break. You're listening to the work-life balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. At the Work-Life Balance, we like to ask simple questions to our executives and portfolio managers. Are you picking your projects based on what the organization can spend, or is it based on what your resources can realistically achieve? This question, if not answered properly, can cause great strain on your staff, limiting the return on investment. When creating project selection criteria, does your organization attempt to understand the amount of resources needed to complete the work? Is this done in spreadsheets or at a high level? What if we told you there was a simple and easy solution that was built with resource planning in mind? We call it Resource First from PDWare. Resource First was built with resource planning as its foundation. We have years of experience that proves before a company fine-tunes its project and portfolio management processes. Without a process for resource planning, the best processes and algorithms can fall flat. Resources should be first when deciding the strategy of taking an organization forward. Find out more at pdware.com. Put your people first with Resource First from PDWare. Join us at pdware.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the work-life balance on this Friday afternoon, visiting with Ryan Stanley. And and Ryan, um, let's get into some tips and tricks for entrepreneurs out there, for business owners. Uh, And I'll give you an example. One of my favorite ones is to to teach them about payment terms and how to negotiate payment terms. So if you set your rate, you set your rate at a net 30, you get a client who's wanting to, you know, obviously if you're dealing with larger corporate clients, they're wanting to go to net 45, net 60, net 90. um, And I just raise my rate. I'm absolutely, but you know, my rate is based on 30 days net services to cash or 45 days net services to cash 30 day um, payment term. So if you want to push that out, then you're going to pay, you know, the additional premium for yeah. that. Um, just little tricks like that. I think, you know, entrepreneurs need to learn how to negotiate. What are a couple of your favorite kind of tips or tricks that you bring to your entrepreneurs? No, again, I work mostly in the, in the mindset space. So mm-hmm. a lot of the things I work with is more about just clarity on, on who you want to be. Right. And so when you, when you do have challenges, you do have blocks that come up as an entrepreneur, because it can be a stressful, overwhelming place to be, especially when you're first starting off. Um, it is, you know, we, we, again, we touched on Napoleon Hill, but just getting real clear on who you want to be, not only clear, but writing it down. Right. Not only writing it down, but reading it aloud every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cool part about that is when you start to do that, you're, you're programming your subconscious to remember who you want to be. And so when you have stresses throughout the day, or you have overwhelm, you've already set up a foundation for, for who you want to be. So I think just as a great place to start, many might have done that already. I and mean, obviously, Napoleon Hill there, there's a, has a pretty large fan base. Um, but anybody out there, I would reckon, recommend, first of all, to, to your point, checking out Think and Grow Rich. Uh, but secondly, if you haven't already, make some time literally today to write down exactly what you want your life to look like and write it down in the present tense. Like, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And when you start to not only write that down, again, getting clear on what my agenda is, getting clear on who I want to be, because a lot of the time somebody might say, well, I want to be successful. I want to be rich. I want to be, you know, these very basic terms. But when you're writing down the details of it, what do I actually want my life to look like and feel like every single day? It gives you some clarity and even just some more fuel. Like, what is your why? Sometimes that's the most important thing that people don't realize. If, If In order to start a successful business, it's not just about making money. It's about why do I want to do this? And every day, because on the tough days, when the money's not showing up, that's not going to be enough. But if your why is because I want to have a global impact, I want to serve this particular audience, I want to change the world, I want to, whatever it is, if you know what your why is, like you're going to show up the next day again and again and again and again. So decide who you want to be, write it down, say it out loud every day, create gratitude for your ability to actually create the outcome before it's, it's shown up is another huge piece. It's not just, I mean, you could say, the, say who you want to be all day, every day, but if you're not actually feeling what it's going to feel like and creating authentic, genuine gratitude for that outcome, it's going to take a lot longer from my experience. Uh, go ahead. That's, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. No, I, I just, I had a, a strange experience today, as a matter of fact. Um, so uh, I had a, a couple of goals. They were material-based goals, but they were, they were more the manifestation of if I can grab that, or if I can get to the point that, then I know that I've been reaching certain goals, right? So it's not so much like I'll be happy when I get the car, but yeah. if I get this car, that's the manifestation of everything that I've done over the last 20 years. Yep, proof, um, whatever, yeah. And, and that started, you know, from the secret, right? Before I even had written Napoleon Hill, but we had done a vision board literally 25 years ago. And I knew that I had put this car on my vision board and I ended up getting the car last year. But I found the vision board today. We're actually cleaning out some areas of the house. And, really? and, I, I, and I took a picture of it. But I'm telling you, it's the color. It's the make. It's the model. It's every. And I didn't even drive those color cars for the last 10, 15 years. I always yeah. had a black car. And I said, yeah, I think I'll get silver. And li- when I pulled up that board, I mean, the, the house I live in looks like the house. The, the car yeah. I drive is the exact car. You know, it's it's crazy how that really does truly manifest. I mean, and of course, you know, material things are easier to to sometimes explain that with. Sure. But it's it, what a marker. I, I was just I, I was dumbfounded when I saw that today. Well, and then no such thing as coincidence. That's, and now it's showing up in your conversation later in the day, right? And right. so that, that's kind of how it literally all works. 
And when you think about the concept of like, I wake up in the morning and I think that I'm going, I think about going to the, to the kitchen to go get my coffee or whatever it is. Those are thoughts that you actually take action on. Right. And we, we take it for granted because it's so immediate and it happens just quickly, but it's limited and it happens. It manifests right in front of us. And that's the stuff that we do every single day. So we almost don't even acknowledge that it is a result of our thoughts and our action, but everything else is the same way. It might just take 25 years in this example. Right. But if you think about, this is what I want, this is what I want to obtain. And you imagine it often enough. The challenge is most people, instead get caught up in what they don't have and get get caught up in this feeling of lack, um, which is the opposite of abundance, right? We get caught up yeah. in this feeling of, I need to fight or chase for something. And therefore you're, you're creating energy that is of lack as opposed to when instead you decide to create gratitude for what you want and are also obviously willing to work hard to get it. But when you're working hard, but knowing that it's already coming, you instead of chasing it, you're actually attracting that experience from a quantum physics level. You're actually attracting that experience to, to your experience. Yeah. Um, it's pretty powerful. It was, you know, it's interesting. Um, also, I, I think there's different levels of awareness that you go through that. Cause I think when you start, if, if we continue down the think and grow rich, part of the book is that you develop a mantra, you develop a saying, you say it to yourself in the beginning, you write it down, you put it in front of you. Mine's sitting right here on the monitor. Mine yeah. hasn't changed over the last three years. Um, but it was specific. It was it was two million dollars uh, profitability through the sale of online products. Now, when I wrote that, that was purely a hundred percent my online product. So, yeah. I you know I worked through. I taught myself click funnels and all the other things and built all the stuff, put it out for the world to see, and it just flopped. It, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't yeah. generate the revenue. And of course, that's disheartening. Um, but when I was doing an event in May of last year, and I'm watching these incredible people, uh, it was a 30 year reunion for the Mickey Mouse Club. And I'm watching these incredible artists tell their stories and talk about what they're doing in life. Now, um, the thought came into my brain of who said it had to be your products. Right. So my mantra is still exactly the same. But now yeah. I've switched gears to where I'm the back end. Through yeah. all the learning and everything that I did, it just wasn't the right product at the right time. But now I've got, you know, a suite of 30 products that we're promoting. Totally. Right. And it, but it's the exact same mantra. It didn't change. Absolutely. And that's the other piece to it. And so what, what's cool about that is it's also patience, right? And the, the challenge is that people say that it has to, if it didn't happen in a year, then it didn't happen. If it didn't happen in two years, then it didn't happen. Well, sometimes whatever you want, if we let go of the fact that it has to happen in a certain amount of time and just accept that it's going to happen, and my job is to co-create it by showing up on purpose every day in the meantime, to your point that the path is going to change and it's going to be shown to you at the right time to kind of shift gears. But if you don't start taking the first steps towards the, to the outcome that you want, you'll never get to that point where maybe you, you notice it's time to turn. If you just accept like you know that it's going to take too long to do that. Actually, I wrote a blog that gets a lot of... Um, just a lot of positive feedback called the Doc Brown theory. And it was like, if you were sitting on your porch and Doc Brown just suddenly pulled up with a DeLorean and got out and just said, hey, listen, man, you know that thing you just started thinking about yesterday? I want you to know it actually totally comes to fruition. You're going to have $2 million, but it's going to take 12 years. I just want you to know I've, I come from the future. I just saw that 12 years from now you have $2 million, whatever it is. Um, and then he's like, listen, I got to go. And he flies off, right? Uh how would you behave after that, right? You would behave, you wouldn't fear that it not happening. You wouldn't be upset that it, when bad things go on because you would know that it is definitely happening. And when you start to take that mindset, that like, listen, I, I can choose who I want to be in any given moment. And that means every single moment I get to be the person who chooses that to believe that the outcome is happening as I want it to. And it's going to occur exactly as it's supposed to. In the meantime, my job is to show up on purpose, be the light that I want to see in the world and, um, you know, live a life that, that serves my, myself and others. And, and so you just made me think of one of my other favorite quotes, which is, you know, belief drives behavior. Yeah. Essentially. Always. Right. Well, uh, great book, biology of belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton as well. Yeah. Huge fan. Um, it's, it's a little heady, right? I had to read it a couple of times because <laughs> very heady. So if, it, if, it, if you get that book and it's too heady, then go read uh, switch on your brain by Dr. Caroline leaf who yeah. references it quite a bit, but it's, it's far easier. And read. obviously anything by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, yes. You know, breaking the habit of being yourself is huge. Uh, becoming supernatural literally changed my life. And of course that there's some meditations that come along with it. Um, but then also kind of theoretically wise because everything we're talking about I, I, so my, my uh, what I call my I am statements, my statement of desire that I do every single day a couple of times starts off with a quote by from Napoleon Hill. And it is, um, I ask not for more riches, but for more wisdom to accept and to use wisely the riches I received at birth in the form of the power to control and direct my thoughts to whatever ends I desire. Yeah. 
Mm. Meaning that that in itself is the riches, right? Like we are here. Like when you wake up in the morning, there is gravity, there is sunlight, there is oxygen just so that you can exist. You have thoughts that you can choose to guide anywhere you want. And we've, we've over 30, 35 years, we've developed habits of thinking a certain way and becoming a certain person and neurons, paths that our neurons have formed. But if you recognize that you literally have the choice to change that at any given moment and build up a new habit of, of choosing thoughts that serve a purpose that, that you want and would prefer and are, are, are pointing you towards a life that you want to live, like that's when you start living in the now. That's when you really start manifesting. That's when you really start connecting and realizing what a gift uh, life actually is. Yeah, and, and, and in so many respects, uh, our parents were correct. Uh, my mom used to make me so mad when she would say, and I just said it. I just, I just said, she said, nobody can make you mad. You choose to be mad. Totally. And it's like one of those parental sayings that you're like, whatever, dude, stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I've now said that to my kids. It's like, yeah. it's your choice to be angry. I can't make you do anything. You, yeah. you choose to do it or not. You know, you choose the consequence or the reward. It's up to you. But uh, it's it's these old adages that we've heard that have been passed through that just have tremendous wisdom, but we don't believe them to be true. And that's where, again, uh, belief drives behavior. And it just, it just takes practice, right? And once you start to practice, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if you decide who you want to be and remind yourself of who you want to be every single day um, and in any situation, that's why, you know, that's why I wrote the book, Patience, right? So create patience. So, so be patient for when it's going to come and be present. Be here now. Create a person who is present. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you're worried about what someone somewhere else is thinking, you're thinking about what I did two weeks ago that I maybe have, I'm embarrassed or uncomfortable, I wish I didn't say that, or you know, who knows what. I'm worried about what might not happen in the future. All that is, is not being here now. Yeah. So what would it be like to create, a, if you're stressed or you're overwhelmed, obviously we, we talked about creating patience, but now you can also create presence, right? Think about your, what your five senses are doing. What do I feel? What do I see? What do I smell? What do I hear? When you recognize that there's only now, Right? The past is just a bunch of other nows <laughs> that we remember and sometimes not even accurately, most of the time not even accurately. And the future is you know, nows that we want to happen or are afraid are going to happen a certain way. But really in the grand scheme of things, at any point we can decide who we want to be in this moment. And you know, being present is so important as well. So the one thing, if you're what, for those of you who've ever watched me on video, I, I rub my hands a lot. Yeah. And, but, but that was something I picked up and learned through uh, Shazar Charmaine's positive intelligence and, and being present and getting out of the judgment brain and getting out of the wandering brain. I have massive ADD. I, you said you were an ADD entrepreneur. Right. You're lucky a squirrel hasn't run by because you'll lose me <laughs> right. a good 10 minutes. But the, so, so the combative of that is to, I, I rub my, my thumbs in, inside my palms here as I'm yeah. being present because it's keeping my brain focused. Those kinds of things are so powerful for people to recognize and understand how powerful your brain really is in driving the behavior that you want. So we're going to take our final break right here. We'll be right back with Ryan. We're going to ask the question of Ryan that we ask everybody. And uh, we'll also find out how to get in touch with them. But we'll do that right after the break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office 
train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes. R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the work-life balance on this Friday afternoon. Our final segment, Ryan, has gone by uh, way too quickly. But uh, we let, let's get back into sales for just a second. And, and I, I love some of the points, you know, specifically around how do you value yourself? How do you how do you make sure that uh, um, you're asking for what you deserve? Yeah. Uh, what are one of the other big fears that you see people need to overcome when they go through that sales process? Yeah, totally. So. And the reason we started Teach Me to Sell was because people are afraid of sales. And so anybody who's a coaching or service-oriented solopreneur out there, step into your service. Recognize that by not putting yourself out there and by not, high, um, by not charging a higher rate, um, you're actually doing your clients a disservice. And you're keeping, you know, you've been given a gift. You know what you're good at. You know why you were drawn to coaching. You know why you want to be here. So step into that and recognize that when you're having a sales conversation, it's really just what is the best way? First of all, be as curious as possible. Don't worry about shoving your program down someone's throat. Don't worry about telling them everything about it. Be as curious as possible. Ask them as many questions about what they need. How can I serve you best? And really, one thing we always say at Teach Me to Sell is do the right thing for every person every time. And when you really you step into any conversation that way, you're looking for their best interest and you're either A, going to find something that can match them or B, you're going to find something, you can find that it's not a good fit and maybe point them in a direction that, that will. And then they might not buy today, but they might point someone back towards you or they'll come back a different reason or, you know, it's about having relationships. So curiosity and do the right thing for every single person every time and focus more on serving than you are on selling. Because in the grand scheme of things, if you're there to make somebody's life better and they can tell that, right? People who buy from you, they want to know they can trust you. They want to like you and they want to know that you care. Yep. And so if you show up with those three things, um, every single time, you'll be in a great space. The yeah, first time I ever heard anything like that, it, it blew my mind. But I, I came from uh, technology sales and you know systems and implementations and that kind of piece. And th- th- I heard this term of "don't spill your candy in the lobby." Don't don't just come in and just oh, this is all the stuff I can do. And it was it was called the Sandler sales method. But it was it was the first time that says you know what, what can you do for me? Go I I don't know if there's anything I can do for you. Tell you know some of my clients and they they talk about pain grenades. Some of my clients may experience this. I don't know if that's the case here, right? And you you get them talking about things that they need, and then you may be able to fulfill. But if you come in and just like well here's what I can do for you, right? You, you're not going to get that sale. Yeah, and back even more so, it's like sometimes people they start telling you what they really want. You're like, okay, cool. And you, it's almost like you didn't hear them. And now you're just <laughs> used to your spiel and you just start, you know, you kind of vomit your, your spiel all yeah. over them all of a sudden. They're like, okay, well, I'll get back to you. Right. Um, so listening is, and, and actually most coaches out there, we talked about earlier, asking questions. It's the same thing, right? You do want to coach them in a good way with their agenda in mind, even as a prospect. Um, coach them around and ask them questions. How, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? What, what, why are we having this conversation? What brought you to here today, right? If you genuinely get curious, um, eventually your product will be um, important for you to share with them. So how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you for asking. So a couple different ways. First thing is, again, teachmetosell.com. We actually, we just, uh, again, we started in March. You can find us on YouTube. That's actually, we've been getting a lot of positive feedback. You can kind of see what our brand is about. Again, there's a mindset piece and there is a, um, obviously a sales training piece. So look us up on YouTube uh, or you can go to teachmetosell.com. Uh, also, but for me personally, so it's ryanstanley.com. So my name is R-Y-A-N-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y.com. Uh, if you wanted to buy my book, you can obviously buy it from there as well. There is a, um, a link on there. It will say, be patient, be present, be joyful. If you click on that, you will get a signed copy from me. Um, and actually, depending on my availability, you could also get a complimentary coaching session. And then, you know, I know COVID's kind of a crazy time. And so if anything I've said today is kind of aligned with you and you're not interested in spending some extra cash today, you can also get a free copy of my book. Uh, it's an e-copy. An e- and so if you go to ryanstinley.com slash free dash ebook, 
uh, you can download a PDF of the book as well. But obviously, I mean, the book is on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Nobles, anywhere you, books are sold. Unanimous five-star uh, rating on, on Amazon. So check that out if you want as well. Could you believe that teachmetosell.com was available? When you I, you know what? It was, it was actually the sign from the universe that said, okay, this is a good company. Keep going. Like, this is a good it's, idea. It's the first thing I do is, is go see if I can grab the domain. Anytime I'm naming a company or looking at something. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I was just sitting here going, wow, how did you pull teach me to sell? Like, and how did, how did and that it was like seven bucks. Like it was like literally available. Yeah. available. <laughs> like, and I was like, and I was like, again, my, I, I messaged my, my partner, Kirk. And I was like, dude, teach me to sell is available. He's like, he's like, that's great. I was like, I, I had already bought it. You know, it was, it was that yeah. good. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, so what's some of the best advice you've ever received? Uh, the best advice I've ever received is be here now. It's pretty simple. I know. And I, I, I you know, the, the dramatic pause afterwards, but literally, I mean, it is that important, right? It is that simple at any given moment, be here now and then decide like there's nothing in most cases. I mean, unless you're physically in danger, fear is a liar, Right. And so just if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're just feeling uncertain, especially in 2020, there's a lot of uncertainty. So if you're feeling uncertainty, if you're feeling uncertain, just be here now. I had a high school coach, um, a volleyball coach, but she had played for the Olympic teams, that kind of stuff. She always wanted to coach a, a male volleyball team, uh, but very, very spiritual. And she made us every time, every time we came in on a timeout or whatever, things weren't going wrong. Our, instead of saying, you know, one, two, three team or whatever, we always said now. Yeah. And uh, after every missed point, we all clapped our hands and said, now, uh, and again, you know, the wisdom of that, when you're, when you're 16, 17, you're like, this is a bunch of hooey, but the, you know, that's been, that's been something that has stuck with me is, is I, and I still do it. I kind of like, I'm walking totally. into a, a meeting that I know is going to be tough or, you know, something adverse has just happened. And you just kind of clap your hands, say now, and it's a little three, two, one now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick, was that you out there? Oh, I'll break yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Any final thoughts uh, for the audience? Uh, just thank you for your time today. Rick, I want to thank you for, for having me. Today. I really, really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I, I, I love getting to know people. Um, Final thoughts for the audience is literally life is a gift. Be here. And I know we've kind of touched on a couple of these different things, but this is your one shot as far as I can tell. So don't stop caring what anybody else thinks anywhere else. Decide who you want to be. Remind yourself of that every single day. Take action on it every single day uh, and be the light you want to see in the world at the same time and you won't go wrong. Well, we certainly appreciate you stopping by and, and uh, certainly welcome to come back anytime. Awesome, man. I'd love to. I appreciate your awesomeness. And so uh, next week, uh, uh, we're going to have Alan David Reed and Tani Wolf of 10 Terrains on. It's a pretty interesting um, kind of, uh, to me, it's almost like the seven mountaintops, right? But they talk about the 10 terrains of life. It's going to be really cool uh, to hear from them. Uh, and again, uh, week after week, I think we're booked out all the way till March. We've got some amazing guests coming up. Uh, we've got one more uh, break, which is the 16th that I'll, I'll do a replay on. And then it's live shows all the way on throughout the rest of the year. So we're so excited to have you guys along. We appreciate uh, your patronage. Please stay in touch with us. You can find us uh, or find me at, at Rick A. Morris on Twitter, Rick A. Morris on Facebook or in LinkedIn, or always hit me up at uh, rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Until then, we hope you guys live your own work-life balance and we'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. again for listening to the proceedings.